the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Edmond, and I'm joined as I am every week by, nicknames not safe for air this week, Mr. Shane Reeves. You know, I had such a bad day yesterday, I lost my keys at the gym. <laughs> you know what, that's it. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Trey was yelling before the podcast that I had to do that. I, but actually, I did. I got to the gym yesterday, got on the treadmill, and after I got done an hour later, I come up to the front, grab my hoodie to put it back on, and no keys. I was stranded at the gym, and finally, after checking surveillance cameras and everything else, we found out some lady picked up my keys accidentally and left with them. So she finally brought them back to the gym, so my keys are at home now. But it's, it's just such a bad day when you lose your keys. It just throws everything into chaos, and you get stranded at the gym. Yes, it is, and it affects the entire rest of your day. But at I least am validating my dog, your experience, Shane. At least See my dog don't have cancer. <laughs> God, I hate you so much some days. So <laughs> this is a great way to start a new year of podcasting, isn't it? It is. Um so welcome to 2020. What is going to be your first smoke on the podcast for the year? Well, so continuing my theme of kind of grabbing cigars that I've walked past a bunch of times, 2020, I'm going to spend a lot more time grabbing some cigars I may have walked past and giving them a fair shake because part of my New Year's resolution we'll get into later and this will aid in that endeavor. I'll get into my resolution after we both lit our cigars. And I'll, you're breathing fires so hard, you don't even need your lighter. That's true. <laughs> but I'm smoking an Alec Bradley Prensado Lost Art. So this is the sequel to the number one cigar of the year of 2011, the Alec Bradley Prensado. Mm-hmm. So this is a Honduran binder and uh, Nicaraguan binder. Filler's Honduran and Nicaraguan, and the wrapper is Honduran. So there's not Honduran tobacco in this. I will say I'm not a huge Alec Bradley fan, not because I don't like their cigars, but just because I, it, it's a it's an unsung hero of the humidor kind of thing. Like it's they're it's, easy to walk past. Their price point's a little high for your average consumer, but I do think their cigars are good. I think they're like I said, a little overpriced, but I think they're surprised. And and that Prensado is the best, in my opinion, in their line. Well, it feels to me like I walk by them because they're good cigars, but there's always a better one in there. Well, yeah. Especially when you start thinking, if I'm going to spend $13 on a Toro, right? what else could I spend $13 on, and would that be better than this one? And almost always, the answer is yes. It doesn't, just like comparing experiences, it doesn't make that a bad cigar. Right. It just makes the other one better. True. What are you smoking? So I am smoking a cigar that I have smoked on the show before once, I think in our first year. And haven't gone back to it since because it's one of the few that I actually remember having smoked on the air. Uh, this is the MJ12 Maduro from Illusione. I really love this cigar. It's right around the $12 range, so it's a little bit higher price point than I usually go. Um, but it's one of those that's absolutely worth it uh, if you if you want to try something that's a little bit different. Um, it's made in the Racist Cubanus factory. Uses Corojo Criollo. It sounded just like you said the racist Cubanus factory. <laughs> That's yeah, a different factory altogether. They don't allow those yeah. people in there. <laughs> but it uses Corojo 99, Criollo 98, 
and Cafe Colorado seeds. So it's it's one of those cigars where I feel like they went all the way back to not just let's plant some tobacco seeds, but what tobacco seeds, how are we going to grow it? I mean, I really feel like the idea behind this cigar was very much a start-to-finish idea. Uh, and, and I think that comes through in the smoking of it. I've never had one with bad construction. I find the flavor to be... You are going to set the microphone on fire. I'm going to throw this lighter in the middle of oncoming traffic if it's out of fluid again. <laughs> you may have a leak if you just filled it up. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the MJ-12, last time I smoked it, I told the story. Basically, um, it's something to do with the Roswell crash in New Mexico, but I don't remember the exact story. Maybe I'll pick it up in the break and kind of retell it when we come back from that. But I am excited to... Such a commitment to excellence. <laughs> well, I thought I found the same article from last time to be able to pull it up, but I, this one doesn't have it. Well, the first news story, let's, let's go happy. My father buys Fonseca from Quesada Family. The Fonseca cigar brand has been sold to my father. They bought it from... Um, the daughters of Quesada. Larry's getting into the tobacco business? Who's Larry? Oh. Your father? No. Anyway. That, that was a deep cut that I missed. Sorry. Okay, no problem. Anyway. <laughs> and uh, so, um, not a big... This is interesting. It's I guess it's news, but I can't tell you that I've ever smoked a Fonseca. Quesada, well, they do the Oktoberfest, don't they? Mm-hmm. And I've smoked an Oktoberfest or two, so I guess that's probably the one mo- they're most noted for. And I'm well, actually looking forward to my father helping them out. Well, that was what I was going to say. So the Fonseca is made in the Quesada factory. Are, are they just buying the Fonseca line or the whole Oh, that's Quesada. true. They, they just bought the Fonseca cigar yeah. brand. Yeah. So, which was originally a Cuban brand. So, right. I guess that's what they're going for is more of the classic Cuban brand. Yeah. Um, and that's an interesting distinction, I think, because, like you said, you know, the Quesada, they make some, they make some budget stuff. They make some more expensive stuff. Nothing really wows me. I do like the Oktoberfest. It's another one of those where the blend changes every year, so you never quite know what you're going to get. Um, but they're usually better than not. Um, but I'd be interested to see this because Fonseca is a little bit of a budget brand. Uh, they don't really have anything in their line that blows my socks off per- in particular. I do know there are plenty of people for whom they do really enjoy their cigars. Well, and my father could definitely use a budget stick. They could. And, well, I don't know. My father... I mean, they got the Jaime Garcia. Which is under eight dollars. Right. The Florida Los Antillas, depending on the size, is eight dollars, or under eight dollars. Uh, same with the Antiguidad. You know, yeah, you start getting into the Le Bijou and the, you know, you get up into the twelve, fourteen, and and upwards of what was the new one that was twenty seven dollars in there. But yeah, they definitely have some higher price stuff. But I feel like they're a pretty budget brand, especially when you consider value for dollar. Um, Fonseca being that super budget brand, though. Uh, I'll be interested to see. I, I definitely feel like they need my father more than my father needs them, though. Oh, yeah, definitely a better deal for them. So I'm gonna, I want to move into this article because there's only so much we can say about my father and Fonseca. 
This is from the Gainesville Times. How tobacco shop owners feel about the new age restrictions. So last week on the Stogies, we talked about, okay, we're 21 now. It's been decided arbitrarily that everybody's got to be 21 to smoke a cigar, which is ridiculous, absurd, obscene, everything else. But um, most of the owners, Wanda Sanders, owner of Planet X Smoke and Vape in Gainesville. Right there, I'm out. Yeah. When they say smoke and vape, I'm gone. Yeah. When it goes to vape, I'm out. And uh, she she said it's not a big deal. We don't make the laws. We follow them. I fully support it. Should have been 21 all along. Um, Derek Booth, public information of Hall County Sheriff's, doesn't anticipate a change in his day-to-day approach. Probably not a lot going to happen in actual cigar shops as it regards to this, no, this I, law. I don't think so. I think cigar shops are fairly good when it comes to self-policing in that kind of regard. I know a lot of them, at least in Tennessee, are 21 and up anyway because they serve alcohol. Right. And so if you allow smoking inside an establishment that also sells alcohol, you have to be 20 and up to be in here uh, to begin with. So it's not going to be much of a change for those of us here locally. Um, you know, I, I do think it's funny that basically what Derek Booth was saying there is that they're not going to increase the number of sting operations to try and catch 19- and 20-year-olds smoking. Right. Which I think is the right way to do it. I really do feel like you should grandfather these kids in, though. If you started smoking at 18 and you're 19 now, I, I do think this, this is where the fact that this was, again, the FDA that, that ro- rolled this out. This wasn't proper legislation that went through the House and Senate the way our government is supposed to operate. Um, I, I really feel like it should, be, should have been rolled out with a future effective date, and it should have grandfathered those people who basically just lost, I'm not going to say rights, but freedoms and privileges. Right. For anybody born after 2002. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you're 20 right now and you've been smoking cigars for a year and all of a sudden now you've got to wait another year before you can get back to your hobby, I don't I don't understand what value that has if you're the FDA to, to doing it that way. And I've even heard some buzz around this that there, it may or may not be constitutional. Whether or not anybody's going to challenge it is another story altogether. Why does the FDA need to get involved in this? Why could this not just be a state-by-state thing? Well, and that's what it's been. You know, the the age to smoke has been a state-by-state thing forever. There's really no reason why it needed to change. Yeah, this is, this is a big nothing burger. Yeah. It really, this is not accomplishing anything. But I do agree with the article, that, you know, the people that own these shops saying it's not really going to affect us that much. Because I will say, if you're just looking at it from the cigar perspective, if you're a cigar shop for whom 18, 19, and 20-year-olds not being able to purchase cigars is going to drastically affect your bottom line, you really need to reevaluate your business plan. Yeah. Yeah, you need to change your business model for sure. Yeah. Which, they're not staying open very long. Anyway, this is, you know, gas station talk is what this is. Yeah. And uh, now, the other part of this article, though, that I did like was on Thursday, January 2nd, the Trump administration announced it will prohibit Fruit, candy, mint, and dessert flavors from small cartridge-based e-cigarettes. Okay, so let's break this down. They're not saying we're getting rid of flavored vape, which they should. They're saying we don't want you to do it conveniently. We want somebody to be blending it in their garage, bootlegging vape fluid. Does this seem counterproductive? 
I don't know about that. I mean, the thing is, you and I both really despise vaping, but for different reasons, I think. I'd, the thing is, if you want to vape, vape. I really don't care. So this whole idea of, you know, banning fruit, candy, mint, dessert, the law states that if you're under 18, you can't, well, used to be 18, now it's 21. If you're right. under 21, you can't buy it. Just be, do you like cake? Do you like pie? I do like pie. Yeah. Are you a child? No. So does making something in cake or pie fl- flavor automatically assume that you're marketing towards children? Because adults like it too. No, it does. No, I disagree. Because at, at the point that you're a grown adult human being, because, okay, have you ever had a pie-flavored lollipop that tasted like pie? No, it tastes like sugar. Yeah. So it's not, it, liking pie and liking pie flavor are two totally different animals. You know, watermelon. Watermelon d- dum-dums taste nothing like watermelon. If I had a watermelon that tasted like a water fi- watermelon dum-dum, I would assume it was grown in Chernobyl. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it, it, there is a big difference in liking a piece of cake or a piece of pie with your coffee or anything like that and liking synthesized flavor that they that happened to be purple, so they called it great. But the thing is that I was in, you know, I, when I was in advertising, I did a, a lot of work with vape shops because uh, they were kind of up and coming at the time. And I never saw kids in there. It was always people... You know, around losers, late twenties, oh. early thirties, still living in their mother's basement. Uh, but, <laughs> but the thing is, the most popular flavors, and I talk to people all the time. The most popular flavors were the fruity pebbles and the the sweet. Thing. Now, these are people who are in their thirties. You know, they're not children. They're well above the legal smoking age, and and it appeals to them. So that doesn't inherently mean that you're advertising towards kids. It means you're advertising towards people with no taste, and that's completely illegal. Well, that's the backbone of the economy. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, but the thing is, at the end of the day, flavored baked problem products make it palatable to children. That's the end of the... So if I am a 30-year-old... straight nicotine tastes like garbage, so you have to have some flavor. Any flavor is making this palatable to kids and adults. That's the whole reason you add flavors to things. Tobacco flavor is not palatable to children. Yeah, but the tobacco flavor that they put in, it doesn't taste like cigars. It tastes like cigarettes. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with it. I just wish they'd done all flavored vape fluids, not just cartridge. I wish they'd went full spectrum, no more tutti-frutti, fresh and fruity, whatever, vaping. I'll, you know, if you're going to vape, then you need to take it like a man. You need to have nicotine. And I will allow you to have menthol occasionally. Yeah, but... Uh but after they come from the Freemasons, there's going to be nobody left to come for you. Okay. <laughs> it's a really famous poem about the regarding the Holocaust. Oh, okay. They came for the Jews, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. They came for the homosexuals, and I didn't speak up. And then by the time they came for me, there was no one left. Right. And, and that's my whole point. Like, I, I don't care. I, I, I don't care for vaping, but I also don't care for anything that restricts people's liberties and privileges based on something completely arbitrary and when there's an age restriction on it already. well, It's a slippery slope that is going to lead to more stuff that we have to deal with as cigar smokers. Oh, definitely. You know, 
So, and that brings us to our next article. This is I've pulled up from Half Wheel. FDA premium cigars are our lowest priority. So basically, the U.S. Food and Drug Administrations they've announced their plans to aggressively regulate e-cigarettes and vaping. Remember who's been beating the drum that the problem that the reason they're trying to screw up cigars is vaping? That's me. Um, this this exemplifies that. But this is so, folks. Don't take this as a victory. This is not. This is the oldest trick in the political book. Mm-hmm. This happens all the time where they say, hey, we're going to put a privilege tax on houses. Don't worry. We're going to make it one cent a square foot. And the, so, okay, well, there's no sense in fighting over, you know, 18, a, a buck 80 a house and all that's built. But after it's been one cent for one year, it goes up to $1,000. Right. You know, they, this is the oldest trick yeah. in the federal regulations book. Yeah. Once you get the regulation in, it's much easier to change it than it is to insert it to begin with. Exactly. And that's what's going on here. It's still, I still say this all comes back to the money. It all comes back to vaping has no money and cigars do and the FDA wants to make a cash grab. I mean, that's really what this comes back down to. And also, um, I, you know, Everybody kind of held this as a good thing. I don't think this is a good thing. I think this is just FDA taking a different technique to try to get the thing they already wanted. This is like Ali's rope dope What this is this is, or, or you know, any number of sleight of hand maneuvers. It says look over here, so we can do so that we can get you to drop your gloves, and then we're going to come in with a right cross and lay you the f out. Yes. That's ex- that's what the FDA is doing here, and they're doing it. And and this is a and hopefully Cigar Rights America and the PCR both realize that that's what this is. They they're not going to let off the gas till we get a premium. And here's the deal: stay on them till we get a premium cigar exemption. That's it. If it, this should be a stepping point for oh, if it's your lowest priorities, go ahead and give us a premium cigar exemption, and it can become a non-priority, and you can go full bore after vaping and e-cigarettes. And all that makes sense to me. I don't see why, you know, why it would be any other way. But it is, it's tough fighting the FDA. It's tough fighting Congress and things such as that. So, you know. As long as we're talking about politics and the cigar industry, did you see this? This is what breaking news This from that just happened while we were recording. Also on Half Wheel. Apparently PCA, formerly IPCPR, has just severed ties with Federal Advocates, a lobbying group that they have been working with. Um, apparently, they had spent something like $90,000 with this lobbying firm, uh, but have now severed ties after it came out that apparently Federal Advocates had been hanging their hat on uh, some connection they have to the Trump administration that came out, turned out to be completely false. How well, interesting that, is that? that well... I think that's just daily business. Yeah, except that except that this is, you know, with what's going on with the FDA right now, and and what, and how much money the cigar industry stands to lose if this goes through, as stated currently, losing, knowing that some of that lobbying power, so ninety thousand dollars essentially wasted. I think that's big news. I think that. Hopefully it doesn't have any long-standing effects, but I think that's a big deal. 
I know this sounds bad, but in the grand scheme of things, $90,000 ain't much money. When you're talking about political lobbying, $90,000 is pocket change. And all. I, I, like I said, I, I won't make bigger deal of that than it is. I think they just said, okay, yeah, they, they puffed. You know, it's called puffery. We all puff ourselves up a little bit saying that we are better than hey, we what are. what you do in the privacy of your own home is up to you. <laughs> yeah, I'd take yoga to be able to do that. So, but they've just, they've puffed themselves up. It turns out that they're not as connected as they would like the FDA to think. And uh, so let's break a little bit early. Okay. And I'll, uh, because when we come back, I really want to get into this. Um, pot smoking now that it's been legalized in Chicago and how that could affect our cigar well, lounges. All, all of Illinois, but yeah. yeah. All right, well, we'll be back with that and more after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, I want to talk about the Florida de las Antillas Maduro. And uh, we've talked about the regular, the Connecticut before, but we've never really covered the Maduro. So it's a Nicaraguan puro. It's out of the My Father factory. It has a real rich, oily... Made under dark. the My Father line. Yes. I mean, it's what part of their core line came out about three or four years ago, I think. The Maduro version did. Yeah. Yeah, the, the regular one's been around forever. Yeah. And dark, rich Nicaraguan Maduro wrapper. It's got Nicaraguan binders and fillers. Um... This is a cigar. It's a cigar smoker's cigar. I think we can call this the cigar smoker's cigar. This is one of those cigars that has a lot of that spice and pepper flavor that I think can be polarizing. But it is a great first entrance into that medium plus to medium full category if you want to start getting into more flavorful um, and slightly bolder cigars. It's not one that's going to knock your socks off strength-wise, but it's going to start nursing your way into some of those more bold characteristics. So until next week, try the Florida de las Antillas Maduro. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who, now that the statute of limitations has expired, can admit his New York Times bestseller about the perils of Y2K was a scam. <laughs> think about it. It's been 20 years. I think the statute's I up. I was actually arguing that point with somebody the other day because they were talking about, you know, 20 years later how how ridiculous it was that everybody got all excited and, and it ended up being nothing. We recognized this thing two years ahead of time, and people made changes, and they rewrote code, and people worked furiously for a year and a half, two years. So the fact that nothing happened doesn't have anything to do with the fact that it was all a hoax. It has everything to do with the fact that people worked hard to fix a problem. Uh, I would debate how hard the work was. I'd say that was a short day at the office. Hey, Shane, fix my computer where it can handle zero, zero. Own it, boss. No, because it, it, it went back to Unix base code for the, for the, the entirety of, of what computing was based on. Now, the fact that Y2K ended up being a fart in the wind has more to do with the fact that when you, f when you fix a problem before, it's rec before it has a chance to cause the peril, no one ever appreciates it. It's the same thing with the climate change. You know, if we're still fighting about climate change in 40 years, people are going to go, see, see, nothing ever happened. 
but it's because of the work that people do. It's well, the same in, kind the of, in the 1970s, they predicted the Earth would be uninhabitable by the year 2000, and it, we did just fine, you know, aside from Y2K. You know what else we established in the 1970s? The freaking EPA. Sure. So it's not like the scientists who predict these things are complete buffoons. It's the fact that when you recognize a problem and take steps to correct it, sometimes you don't see the payoff, and that's what means it worked. Right. Right. When, when you're doing it right, they wonder if you did anything at all. Exactly. Okay, so tell me about your cigar. I don't know. I'm too fired up tonight <laughs> to really taste it. It's, it's good. I like it. Moving on. <laughs> so the Prince Otto Lost Art. I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying I probably won't reach for it again. It tastes... Um, it tastes bitter. There's a bitter, a little bit of a bitter bite to it that I don't enjoy. Which is, is just not a flavor that you... I mean, by comparison, I'm getting lots of kind of oaky earth flavors out of mine, which is something that you really like. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had the Maduro of this, right? Yes. Or just the natural? Okay. No, I've had the Maduro. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is it's, it's a great cigar. One of the things I love about Illusione is that I have never had one draw poorly on me. With the exception of the Lancero, but I blame Lancero, not sure. Illusione. You can't really blame a draw on the land. If, if all you smoke is a Lancero, you can't condemn a company for a bad draw. Right. That's on you for smoking a terrible size of cigar. Yeah. Yeah. For a, a ridiculous size that should never have existed. Right. But um, the Prince Auto, it's, I mean, it's okay. It's, it's not impressing me. Yeah. And I, I wish it was. I wish it would sneak up on me. I'm sure one of these days I'm going to pick up one of these offshoots that I normally walk by and say, wow, I can't, where's this been my whole life? Right. I wish, I wish he carried Villager here because the Villager Colorado is one of those cigars that you don't, they used to be more prevalent in humidors and I don't see Villager hardly anywhere anymore. But the Villager Colorado is one of those cigars that you will walk by for years and years and years. And as soon as you smoke it, you'll, you will have that reaction of, oh, my God, where has this cigar been my whole life? But then I, def- I definitely need to get on one. But let's talk about now from Chicago Sun-Times. Cigar shops, hookah lounges, and other smoke shops could allow pot use under city proposal. So kind of in a rush, in a hurry, came out of nowhere, um, Illinois' legalized pot. I won't say out of nowhere. It came through the like midterm elections a few months ago. Seemed like I heard nothing about it, and then just boom, it's there. Well, yeah, um, and I think that's because it, it it enacted three days ago on New Year's Day. This was this is an example of people passing legislature the right way, where it passes, it goes through the proper channels, and then you set a date for sometime in the future for it to actually go into effect. Um, I've been seeing a lot of people, you know, being so close to Illinois here in Nashville, I think we're about 100 miles away from the state line, depending on where you go. There have been a lot of talk about kind of the tourism associated with, you know, how where is the nearest one and getting up right. there. And It's like lottery. Um, you know, you drive out of Tennessee into Alabama and there's 20 state line lottery stores, you know, at every road, at every road that leads out of Alabama to Tennessee, there's a lottery store. Does Alabama not have a lottery? No. I didn't know there were any states left. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Utah's one of them, too. Yeah, there's tons of places that don't have a lottery. 
and they always do it. And so there'll be pot dispensaries. I'll get into complaining about that word later. Dispensaries on the state line. I'm sure there will be where you won't have to go far into. Actually, I don't think there will be. And the reason for that. So um, just a little bit of legal understanding from someone who's not an expert on this, and we really could talk to an expert to get a little bit better. Uh, but so weed, cannabis, whatever you want to call it, marijuana, is still illegal at the federal level. So most of the states that have passed recreational legalization for pot have done so with uh, maximum carrying amounts. So, you know, if you're a resident of the state, you're allowed to have up to three ounces or whatever. If you're a non-resident, you're allowed to have up to one and a half or something like that. I think that's what it is in Colorado. Here's the problem, though. As soon as you cross state lines, that's smuggling, and it becomes a federal issue. Sure. So I, I think you're going to... So, so cops are going to be pulling over every VW bus that comes across the Illinois-Tennessee line from well, now on. Well, think about it. If you, if you have, you know, what's it, Big Daddy's Fireworks and Pot Shop right on the Illinois-Kentucky border... And all you need is a patrol car sitting in the parking lot. And right. and if they head south, you pop them as soon as they cross the state line. That's true. I didn't think about that angle of it. But this, let's come back to cigars and let's come back to what the issue is that I want to discuss. Under this plan, the retail tobacco stores that derive 80% of their revenue from sales of tobacco-related products could apply to allow consumers to use cannabis on site. I actually like this. And I hate pot. I really do. It, it's not something I want to be around. I've very rarely enjoyed the company of people who use pot, whether whether they were high at the time or just whether they choose to that be a, a descriptor of their personality. The pot lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. However, I don't see this as being a terrible idea. I, I would personally not necessarily like to hang out in a cigar shop that allowed it, but if you think about a shop like this one where we allow cigarette smoking, you know, you've got somebody who doesn't smoke cigars, but they smoke cigarettes, but their buddy smokes cigars, so they come in here and have an experience, and they, and they get the benefit of the cigar experience. I think opening that up, especially considering how strict smoking regulations in general have gotten into where it's hard enough to find a place indoors. In Chicago, it's like negative 312 degrees right now. So giving them an outlet, I I don't see it as necessarily, especially because it's also, it's not like they're requiring cigar shop owners to allow it. They're just giving them the option. So it still comes down to business owners' rights, which I'm all in favor of. I'm in favor of business owners' rights. Um, I think any cigar lounge that allows pot smoking is ludicrous. They should go in the same same bowl as vape shops. I think that, okay, let your guys enjoy a cigar. Let, you know, if, if tomorrow Austin said here, hey, we're going to allow pot smoking in, intermingled with the cigar smoking, 90% of the regulars that come here, out, never to come back, myself included. Okay, but there are also, there are plenty of cigar shops in the country that don't allow cigarette smoking. I'm good with that. Okay. But uh, but my, but there are also some, like this one, who do allow it. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's frowned upon, but it's allowed. Yeah. Well, and especially I'll, when the owner of the place is smoking cigarettes from sure. time to time. And I'll, it's so. But to me, and you know, because you've even got these people who are purists that don't believe you should have, you should mix alcohol with it because then you get too much of a bar atmosphere with your cigar lounge experience. My point is, there's something out there for everybody. If you want a cigar shop that doesn't serve alcohol, that doesn't allow cigarette smoking, then go up to XYZ shop. If you don't mind that sort of thing, go to ZYX shop. You know. Yeah, so this, like most things, comes down to, I don't think it should be legislated that whether or not, but I think this should be something that gets self-patrolled. Plus, okay, you know, our cigar shop, we allow cigarette smoking, but they also sell some cigarettes. Right. And, you know, the, some a lot of people don't buy their cigarettes from here that smoke cigarettes, but a lot of people do. Yeah. And there are American Spirits and Dunhills. It's not like your Marlboros and Camels. Right. It's not like they're selling that stuff. Exactly. So, um, the pot guys, they're not going to be buying their pot at the cigar shop. They're going to be buying it at the dispensary. Dispensary sounds like I'm in World War II and I'm getting my dang pot ration for the week. Well, but that comes from licensure, and it's about regulating who can and cannot sell it legally. You know, we're, we're walking a, a really delicate line here as we as a country kind of figure out how to regulate this and how to, how to go about making things legal. So as of right now, it's a lot like a, a liquor store. No, it's not like that at all. It's a lot. It's really kind of unlike anything where you have to go to this. It's, it's like a liquor store in Alabama where they're the ABC stores, where they're state owned. Right. Because even though you can go to a bar or whatever, you can't go to a bar or a gas station and, and buy pot even though it's legal. It still has to come through a specific type of business. So, you know, if so I kind of understand, you know, yeah, they're not going to be buying their marijuana in the cigar shop, but all you have to do is just get a Mars bar machine and you'll make your money back on them. Well, lots, you know, of, lots of Doritos, lots of Snickers. You're fine. Well, the law structure we have around this stuff is ridiculous. You know, last year in 2019, notably, it became legal to sell wine in grocery stores in Tennessee. Well, that was a long time before 20. Was it 19? We was were, it 18? It was 16. Was it that long ago? It was when I still drank. Okay. Well, anyway. And, you know, I, I was against it because go to the liquor store. Pick up a bottle of wine. You don't need to be able to pick a bottle of wine up with your Fruit Loops, especially if you pour the wine over the Fruit Loops. You don't need to. I mean, I mean that's difference ridiculous. What difference does it make to you? Because I like, I like the image. I like the thought of, okay, I'm going to buy a bottle of wine. I'm going to go somewhere and buy a bottle of wine. I, I want it to be special. I want it to be sought after. I want you drinking on purpose. Not, hey, but, I'm here to get filet of fish and I'm going to snag a jug of wine while I'm at it. But the thing is, people cook with wine. So it's an ingredient. It can be, at least. Well, then you're fixing a special deal. Once again, you go to the liquor store. You select. That's not a special deal. Uh, uh, pot roast, uh, beef stew, beef stroganoff. All we're of starting those. to see why you are an alcoholic. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, there are plenty of common dishes that use sherry and wine and other alcohols in them that doesn't require it to be a banquet. 
I, I don't think I don't think there's any issue with having that. I think if someone wants to buy it there, great. If you want to have an experience around your purchasing of this wine, then it's not like they took it out of the liquor stores. You can still do that. No, but the liquor stores greatly reduced their selection of wine. Furthermore, person with two kids going out doing grocery shopping can't. You can't leave your kids out in the car anymore, and you can't take them in the liquor store. So this makes it that much easier if you are shopping for wine to have with dinner or to put in the dinner or whatever. It makes it that much easier for that person because not everybody can afford a nanny while you go to the grocery store. Life should, your vices should not be easy. Alcohol is not a vice by definition. Most tonight, if you got to pick up a jug of, of liquor at the grocery store, it can be considered a vice. I disagree wholeheartedly and vehemently on that. It is a valid ingredient for cooking all over the world. How much wine bought in grocery stores do you think is actually used in cooking? I would less than ten percent. Okay, but how, but the thing is, cupcakes are a vice, and you get those in the grocery store. Right. Okay. So I'm, I'm in favor of a cupcake store. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in favor of keeping things special. I'm just I'm not a fan of hey let's put wine in the grocery store. That just to me seems seems ridiculous. I, I don't. I say let the stores decide. Okay. So let's let's talk about something that you and I can't argue about. Good luck. <laughs> The best cigars, bars, in Las Vegas for 2020. Now, the only reason we can't argue about this is because I've never been to Vegas. Hey, I didn't say that I had a good reason. I just knew you couldn't. So this is from bestuscasinos.org. And and so this is interesting. When I went to Vegas, I noticed kind of a a dearth of really... I thought there would be a lot of really nice cigar lounges. And there really wasn't. You know, we went to Enfuego over on West Sahara, which was wonderful. But that was really, and we went to Casa Fuente, which was okay. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, um, which so much about Vegas is disappointing now. Vegas was so much more fun when the mob ran it. Now that businesses and stockholders and all that have gotten involved, they're sucking the joy out of Vegas. It's becoming a little sterilized, it sounds like. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. It's just taking a lot of the fun out of Vegas. And also, but I've seen this article and I said, well, in case some of our listeners are planning a trip to Vegas in 2020, let's talk about a couple of the cigar lounges that they rank as the best. Number one is Mr. Chow Caesar's Palace. And they have a um, outdoor patio overlooking the Garden of the Gods swimming pool where cigar smoking is welcome. Next time I'm in Vegas, I'm doing this. That definitely seems like something I would I would really enjoy. And when I was in Vegas, I I heard of Mr. Chow. It's a legendary restaurant, but I had never actually been there. And if I knew they had a smoking patio, I'd have definitely been there. Um, Rum Bar, Barrage Hotel and Casino, and all they have an outdoor bar that is completely cigar friendly. This is one of the good things about Vegas. If it's outdoors, they they don't care. Right. But it's also, I would imagine, kind of difficult to only allow smoking outside. Because that's, I mean, I know that's not the state law or anything, but it tends to be they don't let cigar smoking in the casinos anymore. So all of these have to be primarily outdoor areas. Right. It gets a little warm in Vegas in the summer. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but, but they got coolers on these patios. They've got, I mean, casinos, you're talking big money. 
they have things to take care of that and all. There's fans, there's coolers. It's, I have no doubt that they can keep a patio in Las Vegas 86 degrees year-round with no trouble. But it also gets cold at night during the winter. Sure. Um, Napoleon Dueling Pianos, Paris, Las Vegas Hotel and Casino. So this is so the Paris is in the old part of Vegas. Okay. And also this is somewhere if you're going to that more classic side of Vegas, to Sam's Town, Fitzgerald Street, and all that stuff. Um, so if you like cigars and music, this is a great place to go. Party kicks off around six and runs till two a.m. French themed cocktails, whiskey down MGM Grand Hotel and Casino. Well, no, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. And then Casa Fuente, the Venetian Resort, Las Vegas. Um, Casa Fuente was really good because you could get any of the really rare Fuente stuff they keep in stock regularly. Mm. So if you, you know, if you are a big Fuente fan, you can go there and get the BBMF and a lot of the really you know, unique pieces. So if you're in Vegas couple of places like i said definitely next time i go mr chow's outdoor seating definitely going to be on my my to-do list where is your bucket list of a bit of a place to smoke a cigar if you could if you could go anywhere and smoke a cigar under any conditions for instance i'll give you a minute to think about this while i tell you mine um you know i was talking to one of our um friends here at the shop that has a place in new orleans and he said, yeah, the parade route goes by my house. I said, tell me you have a balcony. Because one of my bucket list dreams is to sit on the balcony. I don't want to be down there with the unwashed masses. On the balcony, smoking a cigar, watching the Mardi Gras parade. To me, that would be a little slice of heaven. And all. Do you have a, do you have a location and a time you would like to be smoking a cigar for a bucket list? Yeah, I... Not, not really. I don't have any. <laughs> yeah, I'm not thinking, really. No, I've got some like, you know, because bucket list to me has to be somewhat realistic as well. You know, like in Hawaii, like around around Kona or around Maui, like after the Iron Man, you know, that kind of environment would be fantastic. But the likelihood of my ever getting to compete in one of those events is so slim that I can't really call it a bucket list item. If that makes sense. Well, but see. So here's my definition of a bucket list item. Something you're willing to make happen. Yeah. Not something that, okay, if all the stars lined up, I would be well, on there. That's my point. That, that's exactly my point. Of, so, I mean, I've got some scenarios that I think would be, you know, life-changing or at least very, very impactful. But I don't think I really have that kind of a, a bucket list cigar scenario. Hmm. Interesting. Because a lot of my bucket list stuff involves a cigar. You know, obviously I don't have no desire to jump out of an airplane or anything like that. That's gen- that's generally a bucket list thing. People say they want to jump out of an airplane. I'm not jumping out of an airplane unless the airplane's on fire. Yeah. And all. But there are people that for whom that is. But this, a good place to have a good cigar, a cigar bucket list should be something every smoker I'm, has. And I'm sure if I put some time into thinking about it, I could come up with something. Yeah, you know, next time I go to Alaska, that's one of my things. Last time I was in Alaska, I was sitting on the back porch and we could see bald eagles sleeping down into the Rush, Russian River and eating baby ducks. Mm. And all that would have been a perfect cigar moment. Now, at the time I was there, I didn't smoke cigars. But that would have been a perfect cigar moment. And next time I go there, I will have a cigar and do that very thing. But moving forward. Um, okay, let's talk New Year's resolutions. And uh, we have a new year. We have a next week. Next week, we we'll want to prepare a state of the cigars 
It's the Cigar Cast Address. Okay. Begin it with my fellow smokers. And I'll, I'll prepare an address kind of where my smoking is going and where I think the industry as a whole. And then you can contribute where you think the industry as a whole is going. Okay. And all. But let's talk about New Year's resolutions. Everybody that's listened to the podcast with any regularity knows I'm a big New Year's resolution guy. And, and they know that I'm not. Yeah. My, my New Year's resolution usually involves finding the point in my life that's out of balance and bringing it into balance. Right. And during 2019, I harbored way too much anger. Now, this is probably my most esoteric New Year's resolution ever. But in 2020, I'm going to harbor a little less anger in my life. I'm going to stop letting the little things bother me so much. I'm going to stop letting you know, vaping and things like that that really don't affect my life bother me to, to such a degree. I do feel like, and it's funny because you aren't necessarily an angry person, but you do burn calories on meaningless pursuits. Not necessarily doing meaningless things, but thinking about meaningless things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've spent a tremendous amount of time lately um, thinking about time. Right. I, I, you know, I was spending a lot of time thinking about time and what a construct it is and how to bring it better under my control. And really, time time can be viewed as an unstoppable juggernaut or it can be viewed as your ally. There's, there's so much to time. Time only exists so everything doesn't happen at once. Right. So I'm going to spend in 2020 less time just being aggravated about stuff that really don't matter. We actually, I was talking to a listener in here recently, and he, and he was talking about the show, and he goes, you know what? I know Shane hates vaping. I get it. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's probably a lot of stuff like that. There's probably a, a list of things that people say, okay, Shane says this way too often. And they probably need to invest a little more of my energy into more fruitful pursuits rather than to to actually, you know, just just rail and rant and rave about things that really don't really don't impact my day to day. Grocery store wine sales, exactly. Things like that. Smoking pot in cigar shop. No, that would impact my life. That I can get mad about. That not, I have not right. in Illinois. Well, no, not in Illinois. But I can have righteous anger about that. <laughs> and all because there is a righteous anger. There is a certain amount of anger you need in order to get anything done. I disagree with that. Well, I don't. I don't think anger is necessarily. Uh, a, it can be a useful tool, but I think the opportunity for that is less than 10%. I guess passion should replace anger. Exactly. You know, we have a gentleman here at the shop, and I told him the other day, I said, you don't understand, a lot of people mistake your passion for anger. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a lot of passion about certain subjects, and it comes through as anger, and a lot of people really see that. Right. And of course, he said, well, then what, what are they, what are you, who says it? Who, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, that's the most useless reply to anything. Right. Does that matter? I had a situation earlier today where it was it was one of those, I had this nagging thought, something was happening, and, and I wanted to know the reason. And even in my head, I was like, don't ask why. Don't ask why. Like, I didn't know... I didn't know why that was in my head, but I just kind of had this like this quiet voice in the back of my head saying, "Just don't." I, and then, sure enough, I go, "Well, what? Well, what happened?" And then the answer made it ten times worse. Oh yeah. And it's like if it had been an answer that would have mattered, they would have told me up front. So asking the question why was only ever going to make it worse. So better to just not know. Just leave it alone. Ignorance is bliss. Sometimes. And uh, well. So, from all of our listeners for 2020, 
I need you to make a resolution that you're going to tell somebody else about the cigar cast. Invi- invite somebody to have a cigar with you and listen to this. Listen to the pod one day. Have, just have a little time where you and somebody else listen to the pod. I'm going to challenge you on this one a little bit because we both know that the most successful resolutions are are ones that have steps and attainable goals and are not abstract. They're they're more concrete. So I'm going to change change that a little bit. Tell five people about the cigar cast and tag them in a post with us. Let's let's so that so that there's some engagement here. That keeps us accountable, you know, welcoming and and but also, you know, kind of shows that that there's some that there's a community here because the thing is we've always said with this we don't care if nobody listens, but we want this to be a communal experience, not just two guys yelling at each other with a couple of microphones in front of them. So, so yeah, tell tell five people about the cigar cast this year, and and tag them in a post with us so that we can so that we can make introductions and we can we can interact. I like it. I'm, 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 I've brought this totally out of nowhere on Trey. So, I just I love the honesty and the spontaneity of attaching an action to it. That's what makes it. Uh, that's what makes it attainable. So the Alec Bradley Prinsado Lost Art. Eh, it's a four and a half. It's barely, barely smokable. I mean, it's just, it's just not my cup of tea. Now I know there's people out there that probably love this cigar. Yeah, uh, I would probably put it. I, I haven't had that the Lost Art. I've had the Prinsado, and I would give that one closer to a five. But it's because I like those bitter flavors more than you do. So I, I, I definitely I do know that there are people that absolutely go ape over that cigar. What's your rating on the MJ12? Uh, five and a quarter. Okay, that's, that's you know that was a pretty good cigar when I smoked it. Yeah, and all it probably would have scared. And a half is yeah, probably. it probably would have been five and a half. Yeah, for me, it probably wouldn't have been quite as low as a five and a quarter. Probably right. be at five and a half About for five me. And a half. Yeah. And all, not a bad cigar. But this year, as we go through and we try some new cigars, I'm very excited. Can't hardly wait. How do they get a hold of us? Uh, you can reach us on Instagram and Twitter at the Cigarcast. Email info at thecigarcast.com and probably most commonly is facebook.com slash the Cigarcast. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.